Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. The sermon text is the epistle reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 8. You may be seated. We will be talking about food, so you might be hungry after the sermon. I have no idea. I know I will be. <laughs> and we have cookies I hear from my mom, so there we go. Okay. In the name of Jesus, amen. To eat or not to eat, that is the question blowing up the Corinthian congregation, and Pastor Paul doesn't sit on the sidelines. As this congregation implodes, so unnecessary. Pastor Paul, he tackles head-on this bumper-sticker theology that is uh, really chipping away at the unity in the community. 1 Corinthians 8.1 Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Now, there are some in the Corinthian congregation that are walking around with uh, buttons, okay? Uh, buttons with uh, the words, all of us possess knowledge. We've got the knowledge! That's it's what they're thinking, okay? Well, what kind of knowledge are we talking about? Okay, the knowledge that's going to get you some money on uh, Jeopardy? No, okay? The knowledge that we're talking about is this knowledge that, will the Christian is able to eat meat sacrificed to idols. Now, we have to remember, uh, when they would go to Meyer, not that they had a Meyer, but if they had a Meyer, there wouldn't be, you know, the counter for the uh, meat sacrificed for idol to idols, and then another counter, meat not sacrificed to idols, all of the meat pretty well sacrificed to idols. And so the uh, all possess all of us possess knowledge, button-wearing Christians are thinking, Christianity gives me the right to take a big, juicy bite out of this meat that was sacrificed to idols the other night. So you, Christians, shouldn't have any fright. The idol is just, you know, it's fake, phony, not real, so has no real might. So go ahead, use your Christian liberty and take a bite aren't we so bright <laughs> and pastor paul's like yeah yeah right you're not bright you're foolish absolutely foolish it sees up uh, all of us possess knowledge button wearing christians who are just know-it-alls that's what they think they're, they're know-it-alls they have it all figured out they uh they, uh, you know, got confirmed in the faith, and they have nothing else to learn. They, uh, you know, the dust has settled, and uh, they have all the answers. All their theological ducks are in a row, quacking perfectly in sync. Now, this limited knowledge that they have, that we as Christians can eat meat sacrificed to idols, is enough for some. But it really is a ticking time bomb. It really is. Having correct theological answer, having the correct theological answer doesn't give anyone the right to do whatever. Because we got to think about the impact on our Christian brother and Christian sister. 
And this is precisely what the all-of-us-possess-knowledge button-wearing Christians are not doing. They really don't give a hoot how they're eating, sac eating meat sacrificed to idols impacts their brothers and sisters. They really don't care. They really don't care at all, period. It's all about me, it's all about I, it's all about number one, oh my, me, my. Puffed up, so proud, arrogant, me-focused, and they're dressing up their selfishness with Christian freedom garb. That's what they're doing. Now, Pastor Paul, he uh, can't stay quiet. Uh, he can't ever stay quiet. Especially because they're using Christian freedom in an abusive way, leaving a lot of bruises on the people around them. And so he calls them out. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. Their knowledge is lacking since their bumper sticker theology is actually blowing up, not building up. And see, everything, everything in the Christian congregation is to be geared towards building up brothers and sisters, building up the body of Christ, building up the family of God. That is what love does. That is what love is. And so Pastor Paul is actually <laughs> saying that, that, that you, all of us, possess knowledge, button-wearing Christians, you're not loving. No, they would probably be the first to say, Pastor Paul, we are the most loving people on the face of planet Earth. But they're not. These know-it-alls really don't know it all. Because they are actually making their Christian brothers and sisters fall, tumbling and stumbling in the faith. Verse 7. However, not all possess this knowledge, but some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol. And their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Now we got to remember that the, that the Christians here in Corinth, they were coming out of a pagan life. Where they would find themselves so often sitting in a chair, gobbling down pagan temple fare. Not all of the meals at the pagan temples were religious in nature. And we have, we have proof for this. We actually have invitations from this time period, especially this part of the world. Invitations to wedding receptions and birthday parties hosted at these pagan temples. So let's say your boss's uh, daughter is getting married. And you're invited to to a wedding, hosted at, at one of these pagan temples. You, a Christian, will you go? Now, the all of us possess knowledge button-wearing Christians here in Corinth would say, absolutely, sign me up, plus, plus one, okay? And I want to have the chicken option and the beef option, okay? Now we have their arguments for why they would say this. Pastor Paul regurgitates them here in verse 4. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence. That's the first argument. Here's the second argument. And that there is no God but one. The all of us possess knowledge button-wearing Christians are saying, Come on! The idols don't even 
exist. The false gods, they're not real. So, so no one here should have any problem with a Christian eating meat sacrificed to idols. We know they're just sticks and stones. So come on, Snowflake. Quit being offended. Get with the program. Get your knowledge where my knowledge is, okay? You gotta come to me, I'm not gonna come to you. No one in the congregation should really care. Because we all believe in one true God. In fact, uh, you Christians should give the meat a try. That slider, that, uh, that uh, smash burger, you might actually enjoy it. Beef! It's what's for dinner. And Pastor Paul says, not so fast. It's not as simple as that. It's way more complex. It really is. See, we can have the right theological answer and yet do great harm and hurt toward our Christian brother and sister. Correct doctrine, dear friends, please, please understand this. Correct doctrine doesn't just translate automatically into correct living. It doesn't. Some of the biggest jerks, the biggest meanies in the world actually call themselves Christian. And I knew this early on, so coming out of seminary, I came up with 11th commandment for myself. Okay, this is for myself, for Aaron, okay? And some of you know my 11th commandment. Thou shall not be a jerk. That's my 11th commandment. See, these, all of us possess knowledge, button-wearing Christians. They think they have all the knowledge, but they're actually missing the most important knowledge, spelled L-O-V-E. It's about love. Verse 3. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. See, those who love God are first known and loved by God. Known and loved, not in isolation, but within the congregation known and loved into relationship with other Christians, putting them first, known and loved as members of his family, called to live in blood-bought peace and unity. To the Christian aims for unity because, because God the Father and God the Son have been one from eternity. Pastor Paul highlights the oneness of God the Father and God the Son here in our text. It seems to come out of nowhere, like, what does this even have to do with our text? Well, we're going to talk about it. Verses 5 and 6. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father from whom are all things and, from, and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. God the Father and God the Son are not two gods, okay? Uh, I know it doesn't make any sense. The math doesn't compute, okay? So put your calculator away. One plus one equals one! Now, this does not mean that God the Father and God the Son are absorbed into the other so that they lose their identity, their personality. No, 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 no. God the Father and God the Son, one God, 
and yet they are distinct persons. The many and the one. The one and the many. We gotta hold both intention, folks. One and many. And the same is true for all of us here. I mean, just think about it. There is one Christian church made up of many members. Many Christians from many languages, many cultures, many professions, many backgrounds, united into the one holy Christian in apostolic church. The one and the many. And you know, this isn't our work. We didn't do this. It's, it, it's all his work. Right? The Holy Trinity's work. All of us here owe our existence to this God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Different, diverse, distinct, but radically one. Now, Pastor Paul wants this truth to stick and sink in at Corinth because of these, all of us possess knowledge button-wearing Christians who are all about uniformity, not unity. And this difference is huge, folks, okay? Uniformity is not unity, and unity is not uniformity. This group in Corinth, all about uniformity. It's really tribalism. It's like you have to check all the boxes of this group so that you are in and everyone else is, is out. I'm included, you're excluded. There's really no thinking involved because, well, they all think the same. It's an echo chamber. Parroting one another. It's so lazy, absolutely, and they think this is knowledge. Coercing and forcing everyone into sameness. Everyone looking the same, living the same, liking the same. That is not unity, dear friends. Unity is one and the, the many. The Holy Trinity, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, distinct, diverse, different, and yet radically one. This giving and receiving of love within and among this triunity of persons, we-focused, not me-focused, selfless, not selfish, Receiving the other, not rejecting the other, building up, not blowing up, using freedom for the sake of others, for the benefit of others, for the blessing of others, not at the expense of others. Now this unity in the Holy Trinity, Pastor Paul actually once mirrored, reflected joyfully in and among God's family. So what does that have to do with us here at GLC? We're going to have a different understanding of freedom than what most Americans have. Okay? Way different than the American understanding of freedom. See, freedom isn't, um, isn't about me doing whatever I want because it's my personal right but rather building up the congregation so that it's tight. Pastor Paul puts the issue of idol food in proper perspective here, verse 8. 
Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. So missing the meat, no disadvantage. Munching on the meat, no advantage. Not eating meat doesn't make someone inferior. Eating meat doesn't make someone superior. It's not really about eating meat or not eating meat, but rather God's family. How will this affect, impact God's family? If I come out of a pagan temple and my brother, my sister in Christ sees me, what will, that, what will it do to that person's faith? Just because I, Pastor Aaron, have the freedom to do something doesn't mean I should actually do it. We got to quit the stinking thinking as Americans. They go, they go something like this. I'm an American. Oh, I'm so proud of you. I am a, I'm an American. And I have this God-given right to do whatever I darn well please. Of course, within God's law and within the law of the land. I'm not, I'm not going to be licentious, for crying out loud. But I'm an American. I can do whatever I want, my God-given right, regardless of how it impacts the people around me. That is not even Christian. It's not even Christian. It's so selfish. It puffs up. It's proud. It really is all about me, all about I, all about number one, oh my, me, my. See, I am first and foremost a Christian. And being a Christian directs and drives all that I do as an American. Not the other way around. And this forms, informs, transforms how I understand freedom as a Christian. Freedom is not to be used at the expense of others, but rather to be used for the benefit of others, the building up of others, the blessing of others. See, freedom, dear friends, really is about, it's, it's about building up, not blowing up. And that's Pastor Paul's point in verses 9 through 13 when he says, But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak, for if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never, ever eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Pastor Paul wants us all to remember that we do not live in isolation or alienation, but rather as those who've been called and gathered by the Holy Spirit, working through the Word, into this congregation. And so now we have a responsibility to care for one another. No more me-focused living, but rather we, W-E, we focused. That's where we're going to get. And that's where we have been, dear friends. This we focused living. I am my brother's keeper. So are you. We are. Our actions affect one another, either positively or negatively, constructively or destructively. God granted that we choose the positive and the Constructive. Please do not live according to the words of Simon and Garfunkel. I am a rock. I am 
and I. <laughs> Remember, one and many. Distinct, different, diverse, radically one. We are about uniformity. We are about unity, excuse me, not uniformity. And that means, you know, we're not all going to look alike, sound alike, dress alike. That's okay. That is a-okay. My dear friends, what keeps this union, this blessed union and communion together is L-O-V-E, love. Love. Please don't think, oh, pastor's getting sappy now and all emotional. He's been watching, you know, the Hallmark Channel way too much. Look at 1 Corinthians 13. Pastor Paul is the apostle of love. That is the chapter that's used at so many weddings. I don't know if I've ever, ever actually used that at a wedding, but, but there, no, no, I, I have, I have, I have, okay, I have to think about that. Um, when you go there, Paul says, you have all the knowledge in the world, but if you don't have love, you are a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. You're nothing! Dear friends, here's the question for us every day. To love like Jesus or not to love, that is the question in every situation. And we can love like Jesus because we have been set free by Jesus to love with him and in him and through him. It costs us nothing. It costs Jesus everything. While we were yet weak, weak in our sin and death, and locked up in Satan's prison, breathing his stanky breath. Jesus gave up his rights and royalty, his preferences and privileges, and he died for us. He died for you. He died for me. He died for everybody. The unclean spirit's question here in our gospel reading this morning is answered with a very good Good Friday death. Here's the question from that unclean spirit, Mark 1.24. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Now, us here includes... The unclean spirit, yeah, and his demonic buddies, and the devil, but also includes this man in all of humanity locked up in the devil's dungeon, his prison. But this unclean spirit is not a very good theologian. He doesn't make very good distinctions. Destruction assured for this unclean spirit and his demonic bodies and the devil. Deliverance, though, assured for all of us who are locked up in Satan's prison, his dungeon. Deliver us from evil. Isn't that what we pray? Isn't that our petition? And what a joy to see in this Mark 1 reading that petition play out, come out in living color as Jesus releases, he rescues. This man, Satan's prisoner, in a synagogue. Synagogue, a word that means congregation. So really what you and I are seeing in Mark 1 is Jesus delivering this man out of Satan's congregation and delivering him into God's congregation. Using a few words, right? I love this. Be silent. Shut up. Shut up. I can say it. No one can yell at me. It's right there in the text. Okay. Shut up and come out of him. Mark 1, 25. Now what liberating love. Those words spoken over us at the font 
Be silent and come out of him. Be silent and come out of her. No longer are we Hell's prisoners. No longer. We're not alienated and isolated. We have been together and fellowshiped. Behold the one and the many. And this is all possible because of how Jesus uses his authority. He uses his authority to serve us, the many, in love at Calvary so that we can enjoy freedom in his one family. Yes, I am looking at God's family. We have, we have been familyed. We are free to be God's loving family. Free to build up in love. Free to love like Jesus. So to love like Jesus or not to love, that is the question for us in every situation. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.